Hi, welcome back to another episode of our entrepreneur interview series. And I'm so excited today to have Lolita Petrosov with Evestar, an e-commerce agency that specializes in growing direct-to-consumer brands. Lolita is the co-founder of Jet Smarter, a private aviation company. And since she exited that, she is now founder and CEO of Evestar, an e-commerce and marketing agency. Now, she's going to be sharing some really great tips on how to prepare for Black Friday and Cyber Monday, which I can't wait to hear. And Lolita, I'm so excited for you to join us today. Thank you so much, Vicky. Thank you for having me. This is Vicki Wu, and as always, we're talking about the best tips for marketing your small business. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of the latest updates. I want to start by getting a little bit of background about you and your company or companies, whichever one you would like to talk about. Yeah. So tell us why you started your business and a little bit about what you do. Okay. Um, so, so let's talk about EFSAR because this is what I'm doing right now. Uh, yeah, so in 2018, post-acquisition of JetSmarter, um, you know, there was an opportunity for me to start a you know, marketing agency just because I've had brilliant team of growth marketers that was working with me, you know, JetSmarter, and, uh, you know, they, they wanted to join me onto, you know, another venture. So I ended up with really brilliant people. And as we know, right, for, for an entrepreneur, the hardest thing is to find the right people that can follow you on the journey. So, so true. <laughs> so, 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 so I had these, you know, really great marketers that I worked with them for a very long time. And we, you know, became a digital marketing agency. And that was the time when Shopify started really growing, right? This is when e-commerce started getting more and more attention. And, you know, there was lots of businesses that were selling on Amazon that, you know, tried to diversify and say, Hey, let me try to build my own store. So, 2018, I would say e-commerce was already, you know, Shopify was growing, you know, direct-to-consumer was growing, not through the marketplaces, but everybody wanted to build their own brand. And uh, then COVID happened, right, in 2020, and it kind of accelerated already a very fast-growing, you know, space, which was e-commerce. So, you know, we, you know, decided to, in 2019, early 2020 to solely focus on e-commerce and you know we represent right now really grand, uh, great you know portfolio of uh, cool brands i talked to a lot of entrepreneurs when the covid pandemic lockdown quarantine was first happening and so many were fearful about what would happen to their business and what i've seen is that so many of them have been able to pivot to online and now that they're able to reopen their brick and mortar stores, they have that extra piece that they didn't have before. So it's actually helped a lot of brands diversify and reach more audience, which I think is just really amazing. Right. No, for sure. Uh, I think COVID has pushed them uh, a lot of the businesses that uh, never thought about e-commerce to uh, start thinking outside the box, right? So a lot of actually, you know, innovation and a lot of businesses started taking risks because they had to, because they had to, you know, pay their bills and they had to survive. And the only, um, you know, path to survival was, hey, like there is this internet, there is Shopify, you know, why don't you 
you know, pivot a little bit and start, you know, trying to sell your things, you know, online direct to consumers. So uh, absolutely, I think that there is a lot of brands that, first of all, that blew up, right, during COVID and the, you know, massive opportunity for um, retail brands um, that had great wholesale um you know, presence and retail presence, but always ignored e-commerce to jump in into this train. And right now they are, you know, we, we I'm, I'm right now talking really about the brands that I've worked with, but I've only worked with a very, very tiny portion of it compared to the whole market. But, you know, in 2021, at the end of 2021, they have this massive e-commerce channel that's doing really, really well, right? So they actually, yes, they slowed down in 2020, because wholesale and retail got affected, they build their e-commerce business, but in 2021, they're recouping all of their profits that they lost in 2020 because they found a way to pivot and innovate. I find it really interesting. One of my clients is in the automotive space working yeah. with mechanics. And you wouldn't think that mechanics really have an online opportunity quite as much as some other, you know, retail, but they've actually implemented video chat, like Zoom. Uh -huh. I mean, who, how many people had heard of Zoom before? Obviously I had, you probably had, uh -huh. but a lot of companies weren't using it, but even pivoting into an online piece for mechanics, it's kind of uh -huh. interesting how all that is happening now. And it, it's been there for a while, uh -huh. but there's the opportunity came and now it's almost expected that right. you'll have something online. So it's, it's like they're, they're very similar with like the telehealth right now is also one of the fastest growing, you know, spaces, right? Because in COVID everybody was afraid, you know, every time you needed to see a doctor, they would, the doctors would consult you on video. Right. So right now, right things open, open up, people are vaccinated. And I still, I know I'm speaking from my experience right now, if I need to go to the doctor, I prefer speaking to him on Zoom. Right? I do too, <laughs> unless I'm dying. <laughs> right, right. Like, Some things you still have to go, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's unbelievable how much COVID has changed, right? The way that we live. We were already all, you know, digitizing our lives, right? But right now, COVID kind of catapulted it forward to where, you know, most of our things that we can do today online, even fixing the car, right? It's unbelievable. I, it's our new normal. We won't go back to, we won't completely lose all of these new digital related things. More e-commerce is going to stay. And so brands have to kind of be aware of that, which is why I'm going to I'm glad you're going to be sharing your tips related specifically to Black Friday in a bit. I'm interested in hearing, though, how you have grown and changed your business. And for someone like you who actually started a business and then exited the business, and a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about the exit plan piece, and now you've started another business, I'm interested to hear that story. Uh, yes, because when I launched, right, I mean, my first business, JetSmart, I co-founded with my husband, right? We were, you know, very young. Uh, my husband is the brains behind the whole, you know, uh, operation. He created the product that was a, you know, product that um, democratized private aviation, basically, you know, to, you know, to briefly tell you a little bit about the business, we were called the Uber of the sky, uh, where lots of people that when they, when they wanted to, you know, 
charter. Charters are very expensive that they would go to the broker. So what we did is that first of all, we digitized the whole space to where if you wanted to find a charter, you could go on the app and find the airplane, you know, look at the interior and book it directly, right? Very similar to what Airbnb is doing with, you know, searching for the houses and things like that. And we also uh, created a shared economy in private aviation. So you could buy a seat, right, on a private jet. So it was completely, completely different business, right? And then, uh, yeah, with the, it, 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 it kind of, it, I, I always, and something that I learned from JetSmart is whenever you're launching a business, the product dictates, right? I, I'm exposed today to so many businesses and e-commerce businesses that uh, that come to me, then they're ambitious, they're smart people, but today the consumers have a choice, right? The product is the most important thing. If your product is good and you invest enough in your product, right? You can market any, then marketing is so much easier. I don't know whether you've had experiences, even if, you know, you as a marketer, right? Like you, much you easier to market a good product. <laughs> right. I've been in the situations, you know, at Eastar where, you know, you, you take the project and yeah, you know, you think that the, the product needs work, but you come up with any marketing strategy just doesn't stick because nobody wants the product. Right. So you know, my, my, something that I have learned, right? And my advice would be to entrepreneurs, whenever they want to start their business, right? Invest in your product, really do your research, understand what you're going to market with and really stand by a product that needs to be different, needs to be good. It needs to provide lots of value, right? And then marketing, you, you know, makes it, you know, kind of helps it grow much quicker, right? But it it's kind of helps the marketing do its job much quicker and more effectively. You don't have to spend as much money, right? On marketing if the product does its, you know, talking. I always joke with my husband and people have heard this phrase before. So that's the only reason I'm going to share it. But it's like polishing a turd. <laughs> You've probably heard that too. Sure, a marketer can do that, but it's much better results for you if we can polish a bar of gold. I know. And yeah. it's you'll you'll get better results all around. So I 100% agree with you know product, price, place, position, all of those product definitely the most important one. And if your product is a service then it's your people also that we it's can't power. forget. <laughs> Absolutely. This is what we're doing right now, right? That our our product, what do we sell? We sell our people and uh, the people need to provide value and they have to have experience to help, you know, businesses scale, you know, and yeah, that, that, that's all, most of my time right now today goes in developing, you know, our people to make sure that they stay on top of all of the digital marketing you know. Yes, which changes. Yeah, the change. You read it five minutes, and a new story about something different comes out five minutes later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of one of the best services that people like you and I provide to our clients. Is we do all that for you, so that you don't have to keep up with it. Right, but but, but that's what I always tell my clients is that let me do the marketing part for uh, for you, but please pay attention to your product. You know, like friction starts when it's like the sales are not as good but you know we, we always like to kind of be very upfront with clients and we before we take them we really look into their product because you you, you know pro, you know product matters today you know? yeah and and we can't make changes to their product exactly. as easily as they can obviously we may not be able to at all so mm -hmm. definitely 
keeping in your zone of genius, they need to focus on that. That's why they use services like and inventory too. In e-commerce, we've been impacted a lot. You know, obviously supply chains is one of the things that has affected e-commerce, you know, this year. Lots of brands struggled with it, right? So, you know, it's a good partnership for an e-commerce entrepreneur is that focus on the product and supply chain because we've had situation last year with uh, one of the brands that we represented because we, you know, we worked the whole year to have a very, very strong Q4. In e-commerce, 40% of your revenue comes from your, you know, Q4 if you run your business the right way, right? So we had a funny story to where you know, we, we were preparing, everything is good and we run out of inventory. <laughs> right? <laughs> I have a thousand orders. I only yeah. have one widget. <laughs> you know? yes, Y'all right. need to fight over it. <laughs> right. It's like, oops, you know, I, we have all this traffic on the website where we ran out of inventory. So inventory management, very important, right? Deal with your suppliers, you know, predict and understand how much you're going to spend how much inventory you need. That's actually, you know, one of the challenges that the new business owners will have to learn. Because everybody, I, I see this happening every single day when we, work, we, when we work with new brands, new brands, everybody makes the same mistake. And it's first year is going to be inventory mismanagement. It's like always. So we always tell them upfront, like, okay, you want to hire us? You want to grow? Let's talk about your inventory and how much you're going to sell. So yeah, great questions at the beginning. When you started this company or your previous one, what were some of your biggest marketing issues starting out? It's, uh, it's very, it's an interesting question because it's completely two different businesses, right? Uh, right. With Smarter, we were selling, you know, a product which was very innovative. And this is one of the things that we talked about, the value of the product that we, uh, and I experienced what it's like to blow up quickly, right? But you have to have you have to have something that other companies do not. You have to be so different and unique and sticky and the pro, you know, like, uh, so our growth was, you know, investing a lot in the product and um, influencer marketing in 2016 and 17, right? It's very interesting because we built JetSmarter on influencer marketing when we had lots of A-list celebrities endorsing our product. And uh, a lot of uh, companies come to me and they tell me and ask me, can you do the same thing, you know, with us? And I go, well, first of all, it's, you know, 2021, like things that were working in 2016, they don't work in 2021. Influence right. of marketing today is so abused and overused, you know, it just doesn't work anymore. Even I, I we, we don't even focus on it anymore. The, you know, today it's all about UGC and Nobody cares about an influencer because the results are just not impactful, right? Right. So, you have to spend way too much, yeah, way and, more than you did then to kind of get the same level of influencer. Yeah. And you're not even getting the, it's not even worth it to pay like right. 50000 for a post today. You're not going to get anything out of it today. So, you know, with JetSmarter, the marketing was focusing on the product and influencer marketing, right? With Eastar right now, you know, when we launched, obviously, you know, I had the reputation as an entrepreneur, so things might be, I, I had some already clients that came to us because of the success of Jet Smarter, but I have to prove myself and the agency had to prove itself that we understand e-commerce and it was a completely different space. So, you know, and to market my age, you know, my agency, just like yours, right? It's, it, it's a B2B business. It's a lot of it is word of mouth. And uh, a lot of it is building the right case studies, which is, you know, which takes time. 
right? And it's time and it's um, actually providing value to your clients and then word of mouth opens up. So um, completely two different strategies, but much, much I, I would say harder climb on the EVE-STAR level versus, you know, building your own brand and when you have good product that nobody else has. So I would say that what I'm doing now on the journey that I have come through in the last three years, I think that I've worked much harder than I worked at, you know, Jet Smarter, just because you you can't market EVE-STAR, you know, and start doing social media ads and drive traffic. You really need to build case studies and actually do good work for your clients, so. Yes, a little bit different. Yeah, it's, it's more difficult. Yeah, I would say. What do you wish someone had told you about being an entrepreneur before you started? Something that I learned, I would say, five years ago, it was a bit too late when they said that build a business, don't build a hobby. Right. A lot of the entrepreneurs initially, and when they're young, and I was young, and I'm much more experienced today than I was, you know seven years ago is that when you, you know, build a business, treat it as a business, don't treat it as a hobby. Don't get as emotional about it. It's all business, right? Have the, even though initially nobody has an exit strategy, but think about it. Don't get emotionally in love with it because, you know, that can blind you. You make wrong decisions. So, and I think that we've made some decisions, obviously, that were, you know, just smarter because it was very emotional. It was like your baby, a baby. Um, but yeah, something that I wish that I would have understood what I understand now is, uh, you know, you're building a business and you should love doing what you do, but don't build yourself a hobby. <laughs> I think we all fall into that trap somewhat of, yeah, it's, it's our baby. You know, we've put so much into building this and your blood, sweat and tears, not to mention perhaps all of your other resources, time, money. It can, they say love is blind. Exactly. <laughs> and it can blind you to paying attention to some of the market cues, which could be maybe when you need to make a shift, make a pivot, or perhaps even you might miss out on an opportunity to exit. And we don't mean shut your business down and it just doesn't exist anymore. It can be an exit to sell for yeah. a nice profit. But if you're so emotionally connected to it and kind of don't have that bit of distance that treating yourself like a CEO of a corporation, you can miss out on some of those opportunities too, which we all want to avoid. Yeah. Be, you know, sell your business when it's worth to someone else more than it is to you, right? And uh, a lot of actually, you know, those opportunities come to every entrepreneur and it's uh it's a matter of them being rational and recognize it right when it's the right and mar market changes all the time so that, that that would be my advice to all of the entrepreneurs right be, be rational it's a business it's not your child even though it feels like one sometimes right? it feels like a naughty child that's <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> more, more of your attention with your children but be rational about it yeah don't be delusional and believe that your product and there's you know like understand, you know, what you're selling, understand the market and be realistic. And it also goes to the very beginning when you're starting out, because so many people are like, oh, I love this. I, I love this really strange thing. Granted, there may be another small group of people who really love the really odd thing that you do, but you also have to look at the bigger market. And that's where looking at it without that emotional attachment is 
the market large enough to sustain it? Can you right. make a living selling to those 10 people in the whole world who like the same odd thing you do? So you also have to kind of, you have that rationality to be able to look at it and say there only are 10 people. Can you add something to it that would make it viable at that point? And you can't do that if you're too emotional because my, right. my baby's perfect just how it is. Yeah. <laughs> I would like you now to share, even though you've already given so many great tips, but we want to talk specifically about Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday for e-commerce is huge. Share your best tips for us. Oh, this, uh, so many tips. Don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> first of all, to, to have a successful Black Friday and e-commerce, you, you unfortunately, you do have to prepare early, Right. So the brands that we represent, we start talking about Black Friday and Cyber Monday in the beginning of the year, right? And in order for you to have the most impactful Black Friday, Cyber Monday, because the consumer's out with a credit card, everybody's shopping, you have everybody's attention, right? You have to make sure that you run your whole year, you know, your promotions, you don't discount, and you really, really stay away from, you know, running a discount shop. Right. So that way, when you get the Black Friday, Cyber Monday and the brand really all of a sudden runs Black Friday, Cyber Monday discount, it's everybody wants your product because it just happens so rarely. Right. You know, first tip is start thinking early, prepare, know, understand how you're going to run your promotions and when. Right. It's number two. And how you're going to have the inventory, like you exactly. mentioned. Inventory <laughs> management. Right. But inventory is very much easier to predict when you know the spend, right? In e-commerce, traffic and conversion rate, you can kind of calculate the amount of orders you're going to get. So we build a media plans, you know, way ahead for, you know, Q4. So we actually understand how much traffic we're going to drive to the site, right? And uh, we can kind of predict the amount of orders. You look at the best sellers and we help our uh, brands manage their inventory as well. Also, you know, you have to stay on track with uh, another, you know, tip. Every year it's different. You know, this year we will see more and more brands starting Black Friday earlier because they need to catch up. They had an unimpactful first six months. They're sitting on low cash uh, flow, right? And they really, really want to catch up. So it's interesting to see that everybody is keeping their eye open right now, including us, is what our competitors to our brands, how quickly are they going to go into the game of Black Friday? Because you obviously don't want to be the lust, showing up the lust of the party, right? <laughs> because listen, if I, if I, let's say, represent a brand that sells activewear, that specializes in shorts, right? And then I have a competitor that sells the same product, but they're going into Black Friday two weeks earlier and we're priced the same way, right? And they're targeting the same audience they're going to be ahead of the game. So another very good tip is, you know, all of your email campaigns, all of your ads, everything needs to be pre-planned in the beginning of November, already scheduled, ready to go. And then you need to be able to press the button to go into the game earlier, depends on what your competition does. You don't want to be the last of the party. So this year, we're actually starting, you know, Black Friday a little earlier because of what's been happening, you know, in the first uh you know, six months, uh, and uh, the brands are really right now, you know, finally got their inventory, finally have budgets to spend, and they're really 
hoping that this Q4 is going to be really impactful and they're going to catch up, right? And consumer spending is as good as it's ever been right now. So prepare, be early, watch, watch the timing, watch the timing of what your competitors do. So this year we're earlier, um, we launched the campaigns earlier than uh, last year, right? And uh, I think that it's going to be, you know, pretty impactful. Also, Treat Cyber Monday, if you and e-commerce, right, as a stronger day than Black Friday. A lot of people do it vice versa. They treat Black Friday stronger. So Black Friday naturally is going to be strong. Find a way to, you know, have Cyber Monday be stronger than Black Friday. Then always prepare some sort of collection and a new release after sales will drop. Obviously, after you stop running the promotions, you have to learn how to maintain the momentum and roll into holiday sales, but you have to have product and you have to have something new and shiny for your audience. So as you can see, all of this, like uh, it takes time to prepare. And, you know, we, we work with our brands, even on the product releases and when they release, what do they release before Black Friday? And what do we release in, this, in December and things like that? And timing, timing is everything. And it's always different. This is what's so interesting about it. It's like truly the race to the profits, right, in e-commerce. And everybody's watching who starts early. So far, no one started yet, but next week we'll see a lot of our favorite brands pull the trigger on their Black Friday promotions. So it's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah, and we've already heard some of the larger department store type, you know, Target, Walmart are already hinting at early Black yeah. Friday sales. So we kind of do have to be more prepared than before. And I agree, one of the trainings I offer, along with a free planning spreadsheet for the smaller entrepreneurs, is an annual planning calendar. And I always recommend that you sit down right after, right after, between Christmas and New Year's. Almost everybody is kind of slow right then, unless you work for like the container store. <laughs> Organization and fitness, maybe not. But it's a great time to sit down and make those plans for the next year because you're going to be much more successful, even if you don't get quite as detailed. Maybe they don't have the resources to bring on a team like yours that has multiple brains, which always makes it better. But you're going to have much more success if you have some type of plan for the long term for that holiday season at the beginning. because. Even if you're a solo entrepreneur and you're doing all the work yourself, you can start putting into place some of the pieces as you go to make that a success later. So I have a question for you. For those people who maybe didn't get their planning done quite quick enough, Cyber Monday is right around the corner. Okay. What, what's one or two things they can do right now to help make it slightly better? Okay, prepare the email calendar. An email calendar, you have to be aggressive because you have to keep in mind that everybody's gonna be sending out emails, right? And the emails, start with email designs, so look at the schedule when you're gonna send, schedule, pre-schedule everything. Start making ads, couple ads. The ads needs to be nice and bold. It doesn't, it's what people care about during that time is how much is the promotion, how do I activate whether, you know, it's a code or site-wide. If you don't have time to prepare, I would create a site-wide discount, start it on a particular day, create some emails, create some ads, 
double down on the channel that works for you, right? Whether it's Facebook, Instagram, whether it's Google, whether you have selling something that's, you know, search intent, increase the spend smartly when you activate the promotion, right? Because people are going to be just more, uh, they're in the shopping spree mode. If they like your brand, they're going to, you know, come into this, to the store. So learn how to manage the traffic. Remember traffic comes from spend. So allocate the budget, build the ads, whatever platform it is that has been working for you, email, site-wide discount, pre-schedule everything, pay attention to very strong uh, subject lines and preview tests, because that, uh, that's what matters. Not as much as the aesthetic of the email, it can be simple, 25%, 30% or whatever you're running, very bold, very strong subject line preview text. And that's it, really, right? Double down in the channel that worked for you, increase the spend, don't be afraid to spend decelerate the spend when the promotion is over don't forget to turn it off because <laughs> the demand is going to go down yeah <laughs> that's the that the perfect tips but doubling down on one channel is probably the most brilliant tip because we think oh i'm kind of running out of time i you know i haven't gotten it done yet i need to focus and do it kind of quicker than I wanted to, and you're tempted to splash everything everywhere, which kind of just has you losing focus as an entrepreneur. And so yeah. picking that one channel that's already working best for you and doubling down on that, definitely going to have the best ROI doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Drive traffic to your store, emails, hopefully, you know, uh, People have, the, the brands have a decent, you know, database, email database, but this is when you want to go wide, right? Um, very simple messaging. People don't care about the aesthetic as much, bold numbers, the promotions and increase the spend on the channel that's worked for you. Now is your chance to ask me a question you may have for me. It can be related to marketing or my business or me in general. Tell me about, you know, your road to your success, you know, for your agency. And uh, it's always interesting to learn about the beginning, right? And the beginning is never easy. So if you can share, you know, how you had to go through the hardships and challenges to get to where you are. My beginning for this company actually started all the way back in elementary school and me being interested in marketing and advertising, although at that point, I didn't know what it was called. And that's a fun story, but I'll tell you exactly how I started this company. My former job was as a chief marketing officer at a very large real estate brokerage. We had nine companies under the corporate umbrella. And loved my job, loved the people there, still talk to them sometimes. And at one point, we actually became the official real estate company of the Dallas Cowboys. So I got to bring that sponsorship into the fold. And, you know, you get to do fun things sometimes in marketing that other people don't get to do. But it also became overwork. I was working 80-hour weeks regularly my husband loves to travel. He's actually, interestingly enough, a pilot, yeah. <laughs> although he, he doesn't fly us anywhere, but he has that travel bug. And so he knew I needed a break and booked us a vacation to Paris. I had not been yet. He had. He wanted to go. So he booked us 
a vacation in Paris and I'm not going to say no. And while I was there, I was still working probably closer to 30, 40 hours a week, just because the workload was there. It needed to get done, still enjoying the city on the, our last night there, we had gone to dinner to one of, um, one of Anthony Bourdain's recommended restaurants (laughs) and we're in there eating and we noticed it kind of got quiet. We noticed all the waiters kind of disappeared at one point, but you hear that that's kind of common in France. We had really great service there, but we didn't think anything about it. And when we walked out of the restaurant, the streets of Paris were deserted and that never happens. If you've been to Paris at night, that doesn't happen. And we're kind of like, this is weird, but like our phones had died while we were eating, you know, we're just enjoying our last night and we're walking to our car and we see a car pulled over with like two people standing talking to the occupant and like, they like turn and look at us and quit talking. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. Maybe they thought we were, I don't know, criminals or something, you know, but we keep walking to our car and get in the car and we're driving, plug in my phone, it's charging and it turns on. And the first thing I see is a text from one of my coworkers that says, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And I turn and look at my husband and I said, something happened. And he said, what? And I said, I don't know. Long story short, it turns out that there was the restaurant called La Belle Equip that if you remember seeing any of the coverage of the Paris terrorist attacks was the one where the guy with his machine gun, I don't know. I don't know brands or anything. So excuse me, but big, big automatic weapon. He had been shooting people and he aimed at a lady hiding under one of the bistro tables and his gun jammed. He didn't shoot and he kept walking that way. We were the next restaurant that he would have come to like half a block, maybe the end of the block. There was nothing. It was residential, you know, condos. So nobody out, nowhere to get in. We would have been the next business that he came to. So it kind of, you know, sends a chill through you and it makes you revisit what you're doing. And when I looked at what I was doing, I, I'm like, all I have is work and it's work I enjoy, but I'm not having any balance. (laughs) I'm not having, I'm not spending time on my relationships. I'm not spending time on, uh, exercise on eating healthy, all these pieces I was, I'd been ignoring for way too long. I told my husband, I'm like, this is not a good way to live. And, you know, we could have died in Paris and the last three years had been me ignoring all of my family, friends, everyone. I'm like, it's probably not healthy. We talked and I decided to resign my position. I had nothing except what little bit I had in savings to back me up in that. Yes, I'm married, but I pay still half of our bills. That's not something I was going to put onto my husband. It wasn't like he was going to suddenly start paying everything. Oh, you don't have to worry if you don't have clients. I'll pay your, your, no, that's not what it was. That's a scary leap when, you know, you have finite savings and you have zero clients and you just jump and do it. It's also amazingly effective because you have to hustle. When I was looking at, obviously I love marketing and that's what I wanted to keep doing. And I'm like, well, I'll just freelance for myself. I should not have used the term freelance to begin with. I should have used CEO. (laughs) I also knew I need to only work part-time temporarily. 
And so I limited myself to about 20 hours a week because I needed recovery time. And when I looked at what I wanted to do, who I wanted to serve, I had been working with 1,100 real estate agents that are each their own business. They're all independent contractors. Some of them have complex teams. So they're each an entrepreneur. And I saw the struggles that they were having doing marketing. You know, as well as I do, if you Google any marketing term for advice, you get 83 million search results. And so it's overwhelming. So I knew I wanted to work with entrepreneurs who needed simple ways, effective ways, proven ways to build their business. That's kind of how I got here. I took about 20, 22 months only working 20 hours a week. I was shocked it took that long to feel normal again. I needed that to happen. So that's what I did and then started ramping up shortly before COVID hit, <laughs> you know? And so um, it's been an interesting journey. And of course, I, I have a knack for marketing. I love marketing. I love the creativity. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, my goal is serving as many entrepreneurs as possible that want to grow, that have a vision to grow to seven figures, that million dollar mark or beyond. And maybe they are way far away from that right now, but helping them set up their marketing right to get there. Because you know, like I know that you can do things wrong that will kind of hinder you from ever making it that far. That's kind of my why of why I started my own marketing agency. Although the interest in it goes way back to when I was a kid. Well, it's great that you see when you, you, when you started, you found your niche, which was the realtors, right? Which is great, which helped you, right? Accelerate and expand as well. So it's very important for anybody who's listening, right? Like, just like we started an agency, but I found our niche, which is e-commerce, right? And that's where we develop all of our resources and developing and find experts in e-commerce. And, you know, it's always easier. And then once you're good at something, then you, you, you grow, you branch out. This, it's, it's like that in any type of the business, right? And when, whether it's service business, whether it's a product, don't try to sell all the different things, right? Or do, you know, find your niche, find your niche, do it really well, be known for it and expand. But well, it's like you said to make the product better. Yeah. If you have 5,000 products, it's harder to make them all better. You can only kind of make one better at a time. Finding that niche is what allows you to do that. And then, especially with service, it kind of shifts after a while. My offerings that I had, which I still offer, I've had a long enough career in marketing that I've done a lot of the pieces. And then I have a team behind me that specializes in their pieces. But it's interesting that the things I was offering at first, now what people want from me personally My team can implement, but what they want from me is more like a fractional CMO, the person that they can meet with regularly, discuss strategy, and really get that advice from all of these companies I've worked with over the years, and then let my team implement. But they're kind of carving that piece out for me. So it's really interesting on that as well. But it's the same. Yeah, it's the same for me. Um, And I think that even I, I was, a, you know, had, you know, just smarter, you know, that got a pretty significant size. I think that running an agency and dealing with hundreds of different entrepreneurs that are selling different products, 
the things that I know now, I wish, right, that I would have known when I was running my own business because I, I was operating a lot on instinct versus actually true experience and knowledge. And, you know, in, in business, you need to have instinct. Everybody needs to have this business kind of instinct right? And you need to make decisions whether they're right or wrong. And then you need to learn when the decision is wrong and pivot and make another decision, right? It's constant love, love, you know, life of entrepreneur. Especially with anything online, like e-commerce, there's so much data. I say, when you have the data, go with the data. When you mm-hmm. don't have as much data, go with your gut. <laughs> yeah. But that is one of the things that I've noticed a lot of these entrepreneurs that are talking to me as a fractional CMO, they appreciate all the, I worked with so many different industries and different brands in each industry. And I can tell you, if you need to pick one strategy, like right now, I only have time, money, resources, whatever, for one thing, I can tell you which one I know works across the board or which one works in your vertical, your industry best. Most of the time, there's always going to be outliers that it doesn't work for, but it allows me to recommend those things that are proven to be efficient. So it's kind of interesting there as well, that once you work on more different kinds of marketing, you find out, oh, this piece works really well, strangely in this industry, and let's go with that. So it gets pretty interesting. Yeah. The the question that I get asked the most probably is that, why, why don't you start your own business again? You know, I don't know the answer to that right now. Meaning like build a brand because I built so many e-commerce brands and scale them to, you know, millions of dollars of revenue per year. And I, I'm like, I don't know the answer to that. I'm like, I don't know how my brands are going to feel. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the answer. All of a sudden I'm going to go and start on. No, I think that we're, you know, I, I enjoy right now providing, you know, value to, everybody that we work with so that's that's very gratifying when you you know as an entrepreneur also when you accomplish you know certain goals and milestones is uh for you to be to put to for you to bring value for you know a party that receives the value understands it and is grateful right this is what drives me for example doing the good work right now for other people i'm not ready to start something in terms of the product of my own because i get a lot of gratification by working with people i'm sure yeah. that you you know you yeah. probably I love when I get a client who hits, hits their goal and I've, you know, helped them in some small way, get there, or they hit that million dollar mark finally and celebrating with them. That's really exciting. So let's talk about how the audience can contact you, how they can schedule a call to see if they want to work with you. How can we get in touch? Perfect. The easiest way to get in touch is to go on our website, eavestart.com and schedule a call with one of the team members. We usually, we give lots of free value. We give free consultation, free strategy. You have, you know, a couple hours of our time to, you know, get for the advice. We don't charge for it. So easiest directly to the site. A lot of people go on LinkedIn and message me, not effective. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah, I don't check it. But the website, we, we have somebody monitoring it at all times. That's the fastest way to, to schedule a call on the site. Great. And we will share that link down in the description, wherever you're watching or listening, you can find it down below. And I'm similar. People message me on different social media and I may find it three weeks later. Even though I monitor them, sometimes they end up in that like spam other message folder. So yeah, definitely visit the website. You'll be sure to get 
get hold of Lolita and her team that way. So it has been so great to meet you and to hear some of your e-commerce tips. I know that a lot of our audience is in that realm or interested in maybe adding it if they haven't already. And so great, great advice that will help them grow their business. And I, I look forward to getting to know you more now. I always like to make new friends on these podcasts and kind of following your journey as well. So thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much, Vicky. Thank you. If you have any marketing questions, you can always visit the website, vickywoo.marketing. In the bottom right-hand corner, we have a chat bubble icon. You can click that and ask your question there, and we'll either connect with you directly to answer, or we may even answer your question on an upcoming episode.